Welcome to the Next Level Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Julianne Kirkland, best-selling author and life coach. Join me each week to learn more about the strategies, tools, and mindset needed to arise from the overwhelm and live a joyful life you love. To learn how you can work with me further or to get your copy of my book, Arise and Shine, check out www.juliannekirkland.com. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode because the best version of you begins on your next level of faith. Today's special guest is Lauren Cunningham. Lauren is an integrative nutrition health coach, recipe developer, and host of the So Can I podcast. Lauren is on a mission to help as many women as she can find their balance in the health and wellness space, which she does through her health coaching practice and delicious recipes. Her newest endeavor is celebrating women in entrepreneurship, which she is able to do in her podcast, So Can I. You can find out more about Lauren on her website, laurencunningham.com. We are so excited to bring Lauren on today. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Next Level Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Julianne Kirkland. Y'all, I am super excited. I have an amazing guest today. Her name is Lauren Cunningham, and we are new. We are new friends on Instagram. One of her friends shared out this podcast and she related so much to what I was saying. And here's, here's the cool thing. Like this is how divine appointments work, right? Is that we're willing to be vulnerable. We're willing to put out our stories. And as far as we know, like when you go to record a podcast, when you go to write a book, you really don't know if anybody's going to read the book, you don't know if anybody's going to press play on that podcast. And so you are walking in obedience, right? And you're walking in faith. And when God gives you that favor, that blessing of having somebody return it and speak to you and share your podcast, it it just, it lights me up because I'm like, yes, Lord, you know, you, you are true to your word. You're true to your promises. They are true. Um, and so it's just such an encouragement when I get connected to other people that way. And so that is how Lauren and I got connected. And as an overcomer strategist, I love hearing about your stories again, y'all that's why when you relate to something, don't be afraid to reach out to people and be like, I would love to share my story with you. That's how we are growing this kingdom community. Like that's what it's all about. And so um, Lauren has an incredible story today and I'm, I'm so excited to bring her in and let her share a little bit about it. So Lauren, welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm super excited that you're here. So Lauren, you've been through a lot you've had some things, you've had some season, you know, I like to say, oh, we've been through a season and sometimes seasons last five to 12 years, <laughs> you know, these really hard times. So tell us a little bit about where you were, where you are now and kind of what happened in between and how God really has shown up for you in that time. Yeah, for sure. So I, it kind of starts back in high school. So I'm 25 now. So when I was in high school, I just kind of had weird health problems. Um, they were kind of unexplained. Um, they actually thought I had mono for a long time. So I would get tested for mono because I was so tired and my stomach was hurting and they just never, I always tested negative. It was never mono. And finally it kind of moved to, well, maybe it's just in your head. Maybe you're just kind of thinking that you don't feel good. And, you know, I played 
soccer and I was always so fatigued. And I remember like my mom being like, well, are you sure you just don't want to run at soccer? You know, is it sure? Are you sure it's not just the conditioning? I'm like, no, I'm exhausted. Like I am so tired. And then I started running random fevers. And so I think that was when people kind of started actually believing me like, oh, maybe it's not normal. Yeah. Maybe that's not normal to, you know, I, I remember getting sick. It was actually like Labor Day of my senior year. So at the beginning and I got sick and I just never got better. And so I think it was like the flu or something. And so for a few months, it was like, I just couldn't kick this fever. I just didn't feel good. And I couldn't put my finger on like what it was. And so finally the stomach pain progressed. And so it just kept getting worse. And um, so finally went to a GI doctor when I turned 18, just to kind of avoid the pediatric route. I went to, you know, an adult GI doctor and um, had a scope and was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. And so that was in the spring of my senior year. And they wanted right away to put me on kind of a a harsher medication um, called a biologic. And um, we just didn't know that that was the best route for me, just being 18 years old. And, you know, my mom actually also has Crohn's disease, but her story is very different than mine. And that's why, I mean, you would think that that's the first thing we would think of if I wasn't feeling well, but her experience was so different and she was able to control hers and has been for the past 15 years with an oral medication. And so instead of getting an infusion, you know, every four to eight weeks, I'm like, well, let's just try this oral medication. And so I was put on that and a steroid and just kind of told like, hopefully it'll clear up, you know, hopefully this flare will kind of pass and the inflammation will die down. And so over that summer, um, after my senior year, before I started college, it got just, it just kept getting worse. And and, you know, it's funny looking back now because now I'm like, well, I should have you know, gone to the doctor and said I need to be put on a new medication. But at the time, you just think, well, tomorrow will be better. I'll get better tomorrow. And so right. um, I started well, pause for a second, off. Lauren. Um, just for the listener that's like, okay, I don't have time to go Google Crohn's disease. Like, what what is Crohn's disease and really how is it affecting your body? Because we know that, gosh, I can't even imagine being in high school, which is already like this pivotal moment of our lives, right? Um, There's already drama, there's hormones, there's all these things happening and you're sick. So take us back to, to that a little bit and explain what exactly Crohn's is. Yeah. So Crohn's disease is an autoimmune disease. And so they don't really know what causes it or, you know, why people get it and there is no cure for it. Um, there are medicines that you can take to control it. And there's like diet and lifestyle things you can do to try to help control it. But at the end of the day, there's just so much that's kind of out of our hands, but basically it's inflammation of the digestive tract. And so, um, there are two, uh, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis are forms of irritable bowel disorder or disease. And so you may have heard of like IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, but these are actually the diseases. And so ulcerative colitis only affects the colon, but Crohn's disease can affect anywhere like from your mouth all the way down. And so luckily mine was in one area because there are a lot of people who maybe have different areas. And so surgery is not an option for them. And so like, if you have it all in one concentrated area, then it is more of an option, um, to have surgery. So that was kind of the route that I ended up taking, but Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I was put on steroids and that oral medication. And so they wanted, obviously an 18 year old on steroids is not great. Um, You can't stay on them. Like if I was 80 years old, then it'd be fine, but I'm 18. And so um, I, it was a steroid that targeted your gut. So it wasn't prednisone, but when I tapered off of it, 
I started getting really sick and, um, I actually ended up having what they call a bowel blockage. So my intestines swelled shut. And so nothing would pass through like, and I was, you know, even though I wasn't really eating cause I wasn't hungry at all, I was in pain. Um, but your stomach still produces bile. So like you, you need, like, there has to be a way for things to get through. Right. And so, um, you know, I remember my sister is actually a nurse, my older sister. And I was telling her like my symptoms that day. And she's like, it sounds like a bowel blockage and you better hope that's not it. Because if it is, you're going to have to get a tube down your nose and be in the hospital. And so sure enough, I went to the hospital and I think they did an x-ray or something and saw that it was completely shut. And, um, so yeah, you have to have an NG tube. So it goes in your nose, down your throat and into your stomach. And it basically just drains your stomach. And are you awake during this procedure? Oh yes. Yeah. Of course you are. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was honestly to this day, that's the, one of the things that I'm like, I would not wish that on anybody. It's a terrible experience. It, I mean, and they actually figured out, luckily we kind of told them like maybe use the pediatric one because because like my, like my nose isn't that big. And so luckily they did because, um, and it just, yeah, you have to like breathe in and like swallow the tube down your throat. It's, it's Ugh. honestly awful. And then it doesn't really get much better than that. Cause I had it in for five days. And so it's constantly, like you can feel it in the back of your throat and in yeah. your nose. And so, yeah, it's not a fun experience, but, um, but yeah, so they did that. They put that in, I was admitted to the hospital and had what they called like bowel rest and IV fluids. So they were just pumping me full of fluids and medicine. And, um, so then I was put on prednisone when I left, which is stronger, a stronger steroid than the one that I was on. And, two weeks later started college, which I think my family was like, you really don't have to go if you don't want to. But I like to tell people I'm a recovering type a perfectionist. And I was like, no, I have to go. Like there's no, I can't miss, you know, I can't miss my first semester. And so I moved in, which that was difficult. I mean, college is literally free food everywhere. Like I can't eat at this point was really only eating rice and mashed potatoes. Um, and that's pretty much what I ate for like nine months. Um, so that was not fun, but, uh, I was on prednisone. I was supposed to be on it for six weeks. And so I start to taper off, you know, you kind of go lower on your dosing and, um, had another bowel blockage. So it was like six weeks to the date went in another NG tube, same nurse. His name was Benny. He's like, I can't, I've never had to do this to the same person twice. He's like, I'm so sorry. And, um, so basically the same, literally the exact same thing, stayed in the hospital for five days, got better, left on prednisone. And we were kind of waiting to see a specialist. Um, so they, there's what is called an IBD specialist. So all they see all day is Crohn's and colitis. And whereas my GI doctor, who's great, he sees everything. Like if you have a stomach ache, you know, you're going to go to a GI doctor. And so, Um, I was waiting to get into this specialist at Vanderbilt in Nashville. And so finally in October, that was when my appointment was. So I'd been sick, like I'd been diagnosed in April. So it had been like six months until I was able to get into the specialist. And at that point, she's like, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, surgery is always an option. And I think you should drop out of school. And I was like, no, I can't. I'm already halfway through the semester. I'm not dropping out of school, which at that point, I didn't realize stress was a huge trigger, but I'd realize that now. And so anyways, went through the semester and I mean, I wasn't good, but I didn't end up back in the hospital until January. And that's when they actually, it wasn't a bowel blockage. They're still not really sure what it was, but it was just like extreme pain. And so they transported me by ambulance from Knoxville, which is where I'm located to Nashville. 
And um, so I could be with my specialist and she said, you know, surgery, we're going to have to do surgery. This is, you know, it's kind of a do over if we do surgery. It's like we get the area that's affected right. out and Plain then slate. it's kind of like a do over. Yeah. yeah. And so um, we were on board with that, but they said, we want you to leave and go home on like IV antibiotics and steroids so we can get that area that we need to get out smaller, you know, as small as it can be. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was the plan for me to leave and then come back for surgery but I had some weird flare actually they gave me, so I was supposed to be on like clear liquids. And then finally they graduated me to like, I guess a full liquid or like a little bit of like low residue food. But I think there was a mix up in the hospital because they gave me broccoli and I was hungry. So I ate it. And I think that's what, you know, cause you just think, well, they know what they're doing. They gave me right. this on purpose. So I'm going to eat right. it. And so, um, I think that's kind of what sent me into another flare the day before I left the hospital. At that point, I'd been in it for like two weeks. And so, um, they end up saying, stay, you're doing surgery in like two or three days. And, um, and so that was, that was good to just kind of get it over with, but at the same time, like I didn't have any time to prepare for it. And they also said, since I was on steroids that I would have to have a a temporary ostomy bag. Mm. And so that was like honestly thought that was going to be the worst part, but I was like, I mean, it's kind of life or death at this point, you know, not to be dramatic, but it really was. And so I'm like, whatever, that's fine. And I had already dropped out of school that semester. And so this was in January of my freshman year and had the surgery. It went fine. There was nothing wrong with how it went, but the recovery was tough. At that point I had lost like 25 pounds. And so like I'm 5'10 and I was under a hundred pounds. And so it was, I mean, my mom said she could see like the bones in my back yeah. and, um, it was, it was terrible. And so I recovered, got released from the middle. And then two days later was really, really nauseous. And we called my surgeon and he's like, ah, you, you should probably just go in. Like the surgery went great, but I don't want to play around with that. And so I went to the hospital and, you know, they're like, we don't really know what's up with you. Like your pancreatic enzymes are elevated, but that doesn't make sense because a lot of people who have pancreatitis are alcoholics. And I obviously at that point had not been drinking. And so, um, they're like, we don't really know what's, what's wrong. So they kept me just cause they didn't want to send me home. And finally a nurse practitioner said, I think you have this really rare syndrome. It's called SMA syndrome. And basically it's where you lose a lot of weight. And so when you do lose a lot of weight, you're not just losing it on the outside of your body. You also lose it on the inside of your body. And so there's a fatty pad that's around the superior mesenteric artery and it completely disappeared there. The fatty pad wasn't there. So the artery closed in on my stomach and wasn't allowing food or anything to pass through. So that's why I was nauseous. And that was kind of what was causing like, cause at that point, a little bit of pain was starting just kind of weird pain. It just felt tight. And mm. so that was kind of just causing everything to be disrupted in that area. And so the only way to reverse this is to gain weight, but you can't eat because nothing passes through. And so it was kind of just this, like, well, what do we do? And not to mention, it's like, it's a very rare syndrome. So the doctor that I had in the hospital had seen it once in his residency and nobody else in the hospital had seen it. And so, and it wasn't like it was a small hospital that I was at, I was in Knoxville. And so, you know, it was a pretty big hospital. And so that was very worrisome because they're like, we don't really know what to do, but just go home and drink 2000 calories a day in like milkshakes and it should reverse itself. So I'm like, okay, so I get sent home like after five days. All right, hold on. Let's pause here on this cliffhanger of what happens when you get told to go drink milkshakes. All right. Take us back to 
being, you know, out of college, like you just had to drop out of college. You had all these expectations that, that you had put on yourself. Your family said that you can, you don't have to worry about that. This is already really stressful, but you're like, no, I'm going to do it. And, you know, so you had these, these shouldas that you were putting onto yourself, right? As we all do, we all should have all over ourselves, right? Well, take us back to your relationship with God during that time when everything, like your whole world is kind of turning upside down. What are you mad? Do you have a relationship with him yet? Like what was going on with your spiritual walk during this really hard time? Yeah. So I was fortunate to grow up in the church, but I think that there probably comes in time, a time for most people where it's like, they actually experience God for the first time, you know? Cause I mean, I, I grew up, like I was in Sunday school every Sunday, you know, my parents, you know, they, they raised us in a good Christian home, but at that point, and I was actually attending a small Christian liberal arts school. And so, you know, we had to go to chapel and like, so it was, that was kind of the time where I felt, okay, I think I'm growing closer to God. But when all of that was happening, yes, I was mad, but I also like, as weird as it sounds, like I was very sick. Like I didn't have a lot of time to be mad, you know, like I was in the hospital, like just kind of surviving. And so I do remember, um, when all of that was going on with the secondary situation that was super rare. Um, I remember seeing one of my friends, she was in a sorority and I remember seeing her post on Instagram, like she was at this like fun little date party. And I'm like, really? Like, why? You know, why am I in a hospital bed? And like all of my friends are out having fun, you know, like that just, it was a hard thing to kind of reconcile. But again, at that point, like you just kind of have to get through it. Like there's no, I mean, and I won't say that like my, at that, at the time I probably, like I wasn't reading the Bible during that time. I would, I mean, I was sick. I was in the hospital, but also like I didn't really want to. And so um, I think through that time, you know, I would have friends and people like send Bible verses, which if you have a sick friend, that's one of the most annoying things <laughs> to get a Bible verse from somebody who I'm like, okay, you have no idea. Like right, you have right. no you're out living your okay. life. Like, oh, here's the, here's your quote of the day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like I had family members like do that. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want that right now. Like right. you can pray for me, pray for me on, on your own, but right. you don't have to tell me, you know, like, right. and so that was really, really difficult. But, um, and, and even afterwards, I won't say that I was like mad, but I kind of was more so in the sense of like, where do I go from here? Like, what do I do with this? Because I don't want it to be like in vain, you know, like I don't want it to have happened for not for like a reason. And so during that time, I actually had one of my mom's friends told me to journal. And so, and I, I did, she got me a journal and I'm like, well, I guess I'll do this. I'm I'm bored. So I guess I'll do it. And so, um, I'm really glad I did that because through that time, like, I think I've blocked a lot of it from my memory. It's also been like six years. So I guess you forget things get distorted, but like day to day, I don't think I could really tell you at this point how I was feeling. Cause I don't really remember whether that's like I said, being blocked or whatever. And so I'm glad that I have that journal. I don't read it often just cause I don't really want to, but um, I'm glad that I do have it. And, and it's something that I actually on my podcast interviewed someone who was talking about the benefit of journaling and how important it is because our memories do get distorted and journaling is like a firsthand count of like how you were feeling during that time. And, and so I've tried to get back in recently to journaling because I'm like, you know, it is, it's fun to look back on things or not so fun, but also like, it's just good to have that count. And so I'm glad I have that, but yeah. 
I would say that my relationship with God, it wasn't like bad through that time, but I, I just remember it it was just a tough time and it's a tough thing to reconcile as an 18 year old that like, cause typically bad things, I mean, and I know people go through things at a young age, but typically you don't like, and that was kind of hard even afterwards to relate to people my own age, because yeah. obviously this isn't like a conversation starter, right. but like, I'm like, well, what'd how you do, do I- Friday? Well, you know, I had my GI tube removed. What'd you do? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I was fortunate enough to have great friends from high school that are still like my best friends to this day. And so they kind of went through that with me. So they like yeah. knew, you know, what was going on. And, but I was a freshman in college. And so it's like, you should be like making friends and making all these connections, but I'm like, well, how do I do that? Like, right, I don't you're know shooting how. all over yourself again, Lauren. <laughs> yeah. They'll get us every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, that was a, that was a really difficult, uh, difficult thing to kind of yeah. reconcile just that, like, and I had great pastors and preachers, you know, reaching out and had such great visitors in the hospital. And so I think through that time, seeing the faith of my friends was really helpful. Yeah, so. that's good. All right. So now rewind you were just told to drink 2000 calories of milkshakes a day. Go. <laughs> yes. So I go home and, you know, my dad is very much a, just like, just do it, you know, just, just, you just got to do it. It's right. not fun. Like I remember as a kid, like having to, you know, take the liquid medicine, he's like, just throw it up and just right. don't sip on it. Just throw it up and drink it. And so, right. you know, he's just like, well, you're just gonna have to do this. Like you just have to drink 2000 calories a day. And so, you know, he would go out to like McDonald's and bring me home milkshakes. And I'm like, I do not want a milkshake. I want food. I don't want, and plus like drinking all that, like that didn't feel great on my stomach, like right. drinking milkshakes and like insures and all these like drinks that are like high calorie. And so, right. um, the pain could like got worse through that time. And mm. so I ended up actually three days later, I only lasted at home like two or three days. And so went back to the hospital and was like, I'm in really bad pain. And I think I actually was running a fever at that point too, which was weird. And so we were like, we're just going back. So at that point I had been in the hospital, this was probably middle of February and I had started in the hospital like early January. And so I'd been kind of like back and forth home a few days through that time, but pretty much in the hospital for like four or five weeks. And so they admitted me and they were like, look, we're just going to try something. We're going to give you TPN, which is basically IV nutrition. And so they have to put in a pick line, which is like a bigger IV, you know, and, and, um, they give you 2000 or 2,500 calories through that bag at night. And so, um, through that time I could have like a full liquid diet. So I was eating like cream of wheat and yogurt and things like that. And I was actually gaining like a pound a day. And so they ended up keeping me. I think sometimes they send people home quicker, but they were just like, we don't want her to come back. And so we're right. just going to keep her. Right. And so um, I stayed, I think like a week to two weeks, I don't know, maybe like nine or 10 days. And they just monitored me. They, you know, had to check my blood sugar and make sure it wasn't like spiking with the TPN. And so I was gaining like a pound a day, but still you have no way of really knowing if this condition has reversed itself. And right. so um, they sent me home on TPN. So that was really hard to go home on an IV, like, because you just think like when you go home, like you're going to be like better. And so, you know, my TPN would come in the mail and we'd have to put it in the fridge and it was these like big giant, like gallon sized IV bags. And so, um, anyways, my mom had to like draw out the vitamins and put them in it and hook me up at night. And so that was really, that was hard. And, um, so I was on that at home for like four weeks and then finally went to the doctor and they were like, well, just eat something. And if you throw it up, then 
you're still sick. You know, the condition hasn't reversed itself, but if you don't, if you're not nauseous, then it's, you're probably good. So I remember going home and, and eating a taco and it was fine. (laughs) And it it didn't hurt. Like of all the things to try, I was thinking you were going to be like, and I tried a small little piece of bread. She's like, I went for a taco. Yes, from Taco Bell with hot sauce. And oh, she went with hot sauce from Taco Bell. <laughs> exactly. We'll see. And even before this whole like you can't really eat anything except liquids, like I really wasn't eating anything except liquids yeah. for like six months. You know, I was eating rice and mashed potatoes. Yeah. So I was just like craving flavor. And I remember yeah. telling my doctor, like, I'm gonna go for a taco. And he's like, I think you can do a small taco from Taco Bell, like just the little, you know, just the standard taco from Taco Bell. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna do it. And he's like, well, I mean, the worst case scenario is you get sick and throw up. Like it's not, I mean, and so luckily it was fine. And they kept me on TPN maybe for like one week, um, after that. And then home health came and took my, uh, pick line out. And, you know, then you kind of think, well, what now? Like, how do you resume life? And so I was already knowing, because at that point that was like March or April and, I knew that in July I was going to have my reversal surgery for the ostomy bag. So it was kind of like this weird waiting period of like, well, I'm not like fully better and I've got another surgery in July. So like, what do I do now? And so, um, finally July rolled around, had the ostomy bag reversed and went to school three weeks later. And yeah, that's kind of the, the journey. Wow. And so now you are where you are today and you are an integrative nutrition health coach, right? Yes. Correct. And so what, what led you to, because earlier you said, you know, you were going to go through this for a purpose. You didn't want it to be in vain. So what was like your aha moment of like, I can really help people now. Yeah. So through college, I was always kind of like, well, I think I'm going to write a book. I think I'm just, I'm going to write a book. And I even kind of like, using my journals outlined a little bit of like, okay, you know, this could be what it's about. But, um, but then I ended up majoring in accounting, um, which was kind of, um, weird for me, but also like, I liked it. And so I was like, okay, this is, this is fine. And then got my first job out of college and didn't love that at all. And so, um, decided to go back to nutrition school and I'd always been interested in holistic health and just like different techniques, mainly because I'd seen the effect of it in my life. And so my GI doctor, his wife is, um, into holistic health. And so she does this thing called the healing touch, which is like energy healing. And it's very woo woo. Like I was like, this is not going to work, but I went to her and it helped. And so I'm like, well, I guess I'm a believer. And so I was always like, I mean, yes, I was better after that surgery, but I still had flare ups, you know, I wasn't like healed. And so I'm like, well, maybe there's something I can do because like, and I think that's like very transformative, transformative when you think like, okay, am I doing something that I like is hurting me or like making me sick? Like what, what's my part in all of this? You know, at some point you can't just leave it up to like your doctors. And, and so I remember researching nutrition schools, didn't really do a ton of research because I found one that I really liked. And I thought, well, I'll just try this out and see if I get better. And so within three months of attending that nutrition school, it was a year long program. 
um, I went into remission because of some of the changes that I had like enacted in my life. And so that was kind of the turning point of like, well, I feel like I really have to share this. Like I, I would be doing myself and others a disservice if I don't. And so that was sort of the, the point that was also when COVID was happening. Um, I actually started a nutrition school the day that the country shut down. And so wow. um, it was kind of weird timing. And then I left my job because my immune system is suppressed. And so my doctor's like, well, you can't yeah. go out, you know? And so, <laughs> so I ended up leaving that job. <clears throat> I was also getting my MBA at the time. So I was doing that and nutrition school. And I was like, well, I like this. I like this path better than accounting at the moment. I always have that to fall back on if I want to, but I was like, I really enjoy this. And so I thought, I'm just going to like make a website and just see what happens. And, you know, I, I began to love cooking and food and I'd always loved food, but like, I'd never been much of a cook. And so I started sharing recipes and that kind of resonated with people. I get messages that are like, my son has Crohn's disease and I found you through, you know, somebody and, and I tried your recipe with, I, I remember one in particular was like a brownie recipe with zucchini in it. And she's like, he can't have a lot of sweets because the sugar is like bad for inflammation, but we tried your brownies and he had no idea that it had zucchini in it and like he loves them. And so, you know, that's kind of why I do it just to kind of help people. And yeah, like I said, I didn't want it to be in vain. And and at the time I wasn't really sure what that was going to look like. I mean, if you'd asked me in college, am I going to be a nutrition health coach? I would have been like, no, I don't think so. Because I had been asked like by doctors, like the doctors that I'd had, they're like, you should go into the medical field because you have this experience that a lot of doctors don't have. And like, you would be very compassionate. And I'm like, I want to be as far away from the medical field as I possibly <laughs> no, can. Thanks. I've dealt with it long enough. I'm good. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I don't want to, and I don't want to see sick people like that. I, that just brings me right back to that like time. And so yeah. anyways, but I feel like this is kind of my way and like my contribution. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. So you just released your podcast called so can I, so what is the premise behind your podcast? Yeah. So in college, I like four or five years ago, I started listening to podcasts and I'm like, I think I could do that. Like, I want to do that. That would be so fun. And I've always been creative. Like I, like I said, I've wanted to write a book before. And, and so I thought I could do this, but I remember telling my friend, like, we should start a podcast. And she's like, what would we talk about? Like, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Like nobody wants to hear us. And so, um, I'm so glad that, and this kind of ties into how I found you because you released that episode on kind of like what happens when things don't go according to like the plan that you are wanting. And so I'm so glad that that dream kind of got to just wait and not happen five years ago because it probably would have been terrible five years ago. (laughs) And I've learned so much now and I've grown so much. And so last year I realized that this was kind of the thing that I wanted to do next. Um, I felt like it would be a good thing for my business, but I had no clue what I would talk about. And so I started out by making a dream guest list and I'm like, what do all people have in common? And I really couldn't figure it out. And I'm like, I have no idea. I knew I wanted it to be interview style. Um, and I, I honestly, like, I do love telling my story, but at the end of the day, I felt like my audience had heard it as, as yeah. many times I, they probably heard it more than they wanted to. Yeah. And so I'm like, I want to tell other people's stories. And so I'm like, but I don't know what I want to call it. And I feel like the title is so important for a podcast. And I wanted to have the title figured out before I really started because I didn't want to be changing things. And so 
um, it kind of just came to me in January of this year. I'm like, because mainly because when I've been interviewed before, people oftentimes like say like, how did you like, cause recipe developer, health coach, like, how did you go from accounting to that? Like they're interested in that business story. And I'm like, right. well, that is a st- like, I love telling that part of the story. And also I love hearing other people kind of like who have been in different careers and, right. and get to tell like why they and how they've done that. And so right. I heard this quote and it's very cheesy, but it's like, well, if she can do it, then so can I. And I was right. like, oh, I would love to interview women and, you know, about how they've gotten to where they are so that my listeners right. can think, well, I can do that too, you know, yeah. and so that kind of how it started and yeah, it came out last week. And so I have five episodes now that are out. I started with four and it's been so fun and it's just been like this creative outlet. And I love talking with people. I'm an Enneagram five, so I love learning and, yeah. um, and it's just been, it's, it's been so fun and so rewarding and I've made such great connections and I not to toot my own horn because I really am not that kind of person, but I have gotten good feedback on it. Like I've had people say like, I really enjoyed this episode and that's kind of what keeps me going because because it just, yeah, I just, I love it so much and I'm excited to see where it goes. I love that. And I love your obedience to it. You know, when God put that on your heart, they're like, yes, daughter, you, you've been through this. So it's time to help others get to their so can I moment. And that's so powerful because especially as women, you know, we've kind of grown up in this comparison lifestyle that mean girls and, you know, always comparing ourselves to others, especially on social media. Um, but I love encouraging and supporting and journeying alongside other women, such as yourself, who are like, it's not anything about comparison. Like we're all in this together. Everybody gets to win when we're doing it for the kingdom. And so it's like, yes, let's, let's actually do that. Let's actually support one another. And so right now, as you're listening and you're resonating with Lauren's story, because we've all been through hard times, all of us, it might not be Crohn's disease. It might not be, you know, having four babies at one time, like I did, but we've all been through really hard things and to be able to connect with other people, to know that you're not alone, because that's the first thing the enemy is going to try and do to you when you're going through your hard time is isolate you. And just like your friend said, nobody wants to hear what we have to say. That's bull honky. (laughs) There are absolutely people that not only want to hear what you have to say, but need it. And it has nothing really to do with you. It's what God is going to use your story for in them. And it's so I just want to honor you for your obedience to that and encourage all the listeners right now to go and listen and download and subscribe to So Can I. Give it a five star rate and review. Y'all, that's free. That's supporting another kingdom entrepreneur for free. And and like yeah. Lauren said, like that gives her life that allows her to keep going. And that's, that's such an easy thing to do. And so I just want to encourage you all to go, to go do that and support her in that way. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. And I think it's something else that I kind of just thought of, um, you know, when I was in college, I always thought that like, 
I would do something, you know, for the kingdom, but it would be based on, you know, all that I had been through, which to a, to a degree, what I am doing is for sure based on that. But I, I think I put myself in a box in that sense, yeah. because I never thought, well, maybe it's not a God dream if I step outside of like my health problems and all of that, you know? And so I think it's just really important to note that you can still do good work. It, it doesn't have to be solely based on that experience because this podcast really isn't, you know, like yeah. it's, it's other people's experience. That's and right. so I think that by, you know, getting the opportunity, like on this podcast to tell my story that has like inspired me to give others a platform to tell their story. And so it's just really cool how it all works out. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's divine connections. I love it, Lauren. I love it. Okay. We're going to do rapid fire questioning. Are you ready? I'm ready. I already feel like I know the answer to this question because I like to ask everybody, but I'm going to ask you anyway, even though I feel like I know the answer. Tacos or pizza? (laughs) Tacos. (laughs) (laughs) Because she chose out of all the food to eat, to try to be gentle on her first food experience, she chose a taco. Like this is not a plug, although maybe I should get them to support this podcast, this episode, um, plug for Taco Bell, but she chose tacos. I love it. All right. Tell me a place on your bucket list. Oh gosh. Um, probably I have two that are like big right now, but Barcelona and then also the Amalfi coast. Oh, I've never even heard of that. Where is that? Yeah, It's in Italy. I love Italy. It's yeah. Beautiful. I've never been, but from what I've seen. And we had a foreign exchange student that was from Italy stay with us several years ago. And it just like, just hearing her talk, I was like, I want to go. <laughs> yes. Um, what is your favorite book of the Bible? Oh gosh. Um, oh, I know I'm supposed to answer this fast. Um, I, as cliche as it is probably Esther, I just love the, for such a time as this. And yeah. I think if you had asked me two years ago, I probably would have said like, Oh, something in the new Testament, you know, but I actually ha- I'm on my second trip through the Bible. I've been doing the Bible recap with Terry yeah. Cobble and have absolutely loved it. And I just love the old Testament now. Yeah. Like it's such a, I mean, it, and I think it's like oftentimes overlooked almost in a yeah. way. And so, yeah, but yeah, I guess Esther would be my favorite. I love that. And you know, one of the things that this past year I've really related to Esther with is that all the preparation she went through, you know, it, we get to this point and, you know, we're told the story of Esther and we get the, for such a time as this, like, we think that's this big moment. She's going to go have all this influence over Kings and, you know, like big, big moment, right? She had a lot of preparation stuff that had to happen. And I think so often we overlook that part of our journey because we're so focused on, you know, the, the glory that is to come, but that glory is to glorify God. And the minute that we take our eyes off of that and we focus on our receiving of it, that's when it gets really mucky. Yeah. <laughs> and that's no, when sure. like, it gets really, really hard. And so if we can focus on where we are in the journey and just like, you know, the hard things that you've been through, the hard things that you, the listener has been through or are currently going through, lean into that, allow God to just kind of give you, I see you to your heart and to your spirit and to know that you are in that moment, becoming the woman you need to be, to be able to influence Kings, to be able to influence people, nations. Yeah, And it's, it could be something as simple as turning on a microphone and sharing your story and allowing other people to share their story. And so I just, oh, I just, I know that somebody that's listening right now needed to hear that, that their hard time is not in vain and it is for a purpose. 
and to just really find God in that moment, because it's, it's not easy and there might not be a whole lot of joy you experience, but there's something, there is something in this moment right here, right now that you can take joy from, and that is experiencing God. Yeah. Um, okay. Favorite food to cook since you like to cook and create recipes. Oh gosh. Oh, um, I love to cook any sort of like bread or like to bake really not cook, but I love to bake bread, cupcakes, those kinds of things. I, I'm more of a savory person. If you were to ask me sweet or savory, but I like to bake sweet things. So, and I saw on your Instagram, you had these, um, vanilla cupcakes with blueberry icing, like real blueberries, y'all. It looks so good. I was like, Oh, I'm gonna have to try that. (laughs) Um, okay. What is I know this, there was such a, a long season of your life, but what is a, but God moment for you? Um, you know, so often we are presented with these stories in scripture where it's like hard, 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 but God, you know, so what, yeah. if you can narrow it down, even if it has nothing to do with, with that particular hard story, what is a, but God moment in your life? The one thing that I kind of think of, which we didn't really touch on much, but the, the ostomy bag, which that's like a terrible experience. I don't, I mean, like you're, it's, it's not a good experience. And so, um, and it's also like, there's a big learning curve. So like your intestines are on the outside of your body Mm. and like, that's how you're, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, like, that's how you're using the bathroom, like in a bag. And so it's like a very steep learning curve because it's not like just going to the bathroom. Like it's kind of constant. And so, Mm. um, and you have to change the bag and like, it's just, it's a learning curve. And I just remember being, you know, cause at that point I was still sick. Like I didn't feel good. And so, um, I just remember me and my mom getting so like, and at the end of the day, we did have a good sense of humor about it. Like we laughed about it a lot. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely some mishaps, but, um, but I just remember like there were times where we were so overwhelmed. I developed an allergy to the bag system, which is like, I mean, yeah. And so I was breaking out. So it's like stuck to you kind of like a sticker. And so that sticker was breaking me out. Well, you know, it'd be great if I could put some like, hydrocortisone cream on it, but then the bag won't stick to it because, and it's, it's like, you have to change it out quickly because you can't say like, okay, don't use the bathroom right now. You know, like you have no control over that. And so it was very overwhelming, very disheartening. And I just remember we had this contact in, in our community and, um, base, I had played soccer with this girl and her grandmother, um, when she was 25 had to have a permanent ostomy bag. And so um, she, for the last, that was in the seventies. And so she, in the last, you know, 35, 40, I guess, 50 years has helped people in our community. We have a pretty small community. And um, I just remember being so overwhelmed one day and then remembering like, oh wait, we can call her and she'll come and help us. And she did. And, you know, she lived like 30 minutes from us and she's like, I'll be over in 30 minutes. Just hang tight, just wait if you can. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and so I think that was just a moment of being like, well, this is hard. This is really, really hard, but God has put these people in our lives to help us. Oh, I love those divine appointments. That's amazing. Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you for being willing to not only walk in obedience and share your story and allow other people to share on your platform, but thank you for coming on here and sharing with my audience. And we just appreciate you so much. Remember the best version of you begins on your next level of faith. Bye for now.